if you all want to go ahead and stand today, we are going to sing page 160, Are You Washed in the Blood? Make sure you sing out with me today. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stayed with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the souls unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Well, good morning, and I hope the answer for all of you is yes. Amen. They are, and I am. Uh, washed in the blood of the Lamb. And again, if you're here today and you haven't been washed in the blood of the Lamb, then I hope and pray that today would be the greatest day of your life and that you would come to Jesus and be born again. And uh, we're glad to have you here today. Looking forward to a wonderful day together. Uh, we have food waiting for us, so let's get into the service and uh, get into the food. But uh, we want to enjoy the spiritual nourishment first and uh, get what the Lord has for us because as Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so we want to make sure that we're putting the priority on what uh, the Lord puts uh, priority on. So uh, glad to have you all here today again, and uh, let's go ahead and ask the Lord's blessing upon this service. Lord, we do thank you for the blood of Christ that was shed so willingly on the cross of Calvary so that we can be washed, so that we can be clean, so that our garments can be made white. And uh, Lord, I ask that if there's one here today that hasn't made the decision to place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation, that today would be that day for them. And then, Lord, for those of us who have, I pray, Lord, you would help us to draw close to you as a result, and, and that you would help us to take that message of the gospel to those around us uh, with love and compassion and boldness. And uh, Lord, I pray that this service would be everything you desire it to be, O oh Lord, and that you would be magnified today, and that, uh, Lord, you'd be pleased with our response to the Word of God. I pray, Lord, you'd bless the time of fellowship as well and the type of time of food that we'll enjoy later. 
Uh, but uh, especially during this time as the preaching of the Word of God goes forth. I pray, Lord, you be pleased with that as well. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Let's remain standing as we sing our next song, No, Not One. And uh, there is a, uh, the word lowly here uh, is a reference to Jesus. And uh, there's the word meek that goes along with that in the scripture reference that this goes along with. And we're going to be talking about meekness today, so that's why we picked this song. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus, no, not one. So let's sing this out together, uh, page 383 in your hymnal, or again, the words will be on the screen as well. Sing out with me today. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus, no, not one. No, not one, none else could heal all our souls' diseases. No, not one, no, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the no, not one, no, not one. No friend like him is so high and holy. No, not one, no, not one. And yet no friend is so meek and lowly. No, not one, no, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. There's not an hour that he is not near us. No, not one. No, not one. No night so dark, but his love can cheer us. No, not one. No, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. You may be seated, and we're going to do something a little different today. We're going to go straight into our third song. Page 546, if you want your hymnal, and we're going to sing, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior, and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. 
praise. His word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying. His perfect salvation to tell. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Amen. That's a beautiful song and a beautiful truth. Thank you for that. All right, what we're going to do is our monthly memory verse for the month of September. Uh, we're going to look at that here. Uh, Psalm 119 and verse number 2. Uh, does anybody have that verse memorized? We'd like to quote it today. Anybody like that? at all. There's nobody look back over here, so bummer. All right. Oh, thank you. All right, Brother Corey, thanks for not leaving me hanging. Great. Amen. Anybody else like to try? All right. Uh, we do have one more opportunity on Wednesday night. Uh, this week, so there will be one more chance to quote this verse, all right? But uh, let's go ahead and say it all together here. Ready, begin. Psalm, um, let me try that again, all right? Here we go. Ready, begin. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. Psalm 19.2. There we go. And I kind of messed all that up, so I apologize. But anyway, that's a great thought there again. Happy and blessed are they that keep his testimonies, that obey them, that, that do them, and that seek him with uh, not half the heart, not most of the heart, but the whole heart. All right, a couple quick announcements that I wanted to share. Uh, after the morning service today, if you uh, did not remember, uh, we do have a fellowship meal that is available for everybody uh, right after the service. Uh, right here, we'll head over to the fellowship hall, and uh, we have burgers and chips and other things over there, and uh, I'm looking forward to that time. And most importantly, we'll have an opportunity to fellowship with one another. It's been a while since we've had this. Um, I don't. I don't even know if we've had a fellowship meal after a morning service in 2020 yet. Um, so I think it's the first one of the year that we've had. And uh, we had one slated for the end of March. Well, that didn't happen. And then we had one slated for the end of August, and that didn't happen. So uh, we decided to make it happen for today. So uh, very much looking forward to that. So please plan to stay. We have plenty of food, and uh, it'll be a great time together. And uh, we'll enjoy the meal together, some fellowship. And then uh, as we kind of start wrapping that up, I'll come and give just a brief devotional thought as we uh, wrap up the day. And then, um, and then if you're able to stay for a couple more minutes and help clean up, that would be a blessing. But if you can't, that's okay. Uh, we just really want you to come and enjoy that time of fellowship. It's an important thing for a church family to do. So uh, as a reminder, no evening service tonight at 5 o'clock uh, due to the fellowship meal. So uh, enjoy that, that extra time with your family today. And uh, I think that that'll be a wonderful 
uh, thing. And then uh, just this week, we have a Wednesday night, um, Brother Caleb McCollum, he's a missionary to Germany, and uh, we've been supporting him via prayer uh, for a long time now, and uh, he's coming through this area, and uh, we're going to hear what the Lord's been doing in Germany and giving us a report of his ministry there, and then he'll be preaching as well. And I'm looking forward to reconnecting with him. I knew him from uh, when I was in Bible college, so he was a little kid at that point. Uh, but uh, now he's married, has his family, and has ministry. And so it'll be great to kind of reconnect with him. And then coming up in October, just a, a couple things that are in your bulletin here. I know you can read, uh, but I do want to just uh, mention a couple of these things and kind of elaborate a little bit. The Men and Ladies Bible Study is not going to be this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, and so we wanted to kind of give you a uh, heads up on what we're going to be doing on that and the different things to read. The ladies will read chapter 3. I think we have one more ladies book if you are in need of one and are interested in coming to that. We have one in the back table. And then the men, we have several more books available there if you need one there. And uh, we'll read pages 44 through 64. We covered about 20 pages last time. Hopefully we'll be able to do the same this, uh, this, this coming month. So and then uh, there is a youth activity. Uh, by the way, there was a great youth activity yesterday. Uh, they did the amazing race and went all over more and uh, had a great time, a lot of uh, fun events. And uh, who was here that was on the winning team? Who was on the winning team? Okay, representing here the winning team. So congratulations to y'all uh, for winning the amazing race. And they got, Brother Blake, you bought them ice cream uh, for being the winning team. So... It was totally worth it, right? <laughs> so anyway, they had a blast. And, uh, and then we also had that uh, gap activity last night at uh, Alfredo's and had uh, several couples there. And that was a great time of fellowship and laughing at one another, making fun of the Lord, each other in Christian love, of course. Uh, but uh, that was a great time. Well, there is a youth activity coming up again on October 10th. More details will be given as we get a little closer to that. And then the ladies' brunch on Saturday, October 17th, it's been uh, a minute, again, since we've had uh, any ladies' activities. They've all kind of been canceled because of COVID. Uh, well, we're going to do this one, Lord willing, uh, on uh, Saturday, October 17th from 10.30 to about uh, 12.30. And uh, there'll be a, a, a good meal and a message and uh, something else that starts with M. Just because a craft. Um, uh, <laughs> That doesn't start with M, but making crafts. There we go, making crafts. Okay. <laughs> um, so there you go. It'll be, a, it'll be a good time together. Changing seasons is the theme, and uh, my wife's looking forward to that very much. And then the next day, on Sunday, October 18th, we'll be having Old Fashioned Sunday. And uh, if you have something that you would like to, some old-fashioned clothing that you would like to wear that day, you can. It's not required at all just if you would like to do that. But uh, we'll be having a kind of a little bit similar to the schedule today. Um, well, we'll have a little meal after the morning service, and then we'll actually go into some games and some competitions and things like that. And uh, we'll be telling you about that more next Sunday. Uh, but then uh, we'll have a little brief uh, afternoon service outside. And so that'll be a, a great time together if the weather permits and we're praying that it does. So a lot to look forward to coming up here, uh, but uh, main thing today is uh, looking forward to that time of 
food and fellowship after the service, and please plan to stay again because we have a lot of food, and uh, we're planning and preparing for you. Oh, one last thing I want to mention, and that is this contact card. Um, this should be in everybody's bulletin this morning. Um, whether you have filled something like this out or not, uh, we're going to ask you to go ahead and fill this out again today um, because our system is missing some information from some of our folks, and this would be a real help to have all of this information um, and uh, just so that we can minister to you a little more effectively in the days ahead. So if you would uh, fill this out, and then uh, if you want to kind of fold it and throw it in the offering box, or uh, maybe give it to, uh, maybe put in one of those baskets back there, um, or uh, Brother Gary, would you mind maybe after the service kind of collecting these as well? And uh, you could give it to that young man right there, and uh, he'll collect those and make sure we get these. That'd be a blessing if you could take a couple minutes and fill this out again we know who you are, but uh, and, and for most of you, we know your phone number and all that, but do it just in case. Our system may be a little, uh, is a little out of date, and so we want to make sure that gets updated. All right, well, at this time, we're going to have a special. If you're wondering why these people are standing here, that's what they're going to do right now, and uh, I appreciate them working on this, and it's been sounding good as they've been practicing uh, the last couple weeks, and I'm looking forward to hearing it. And so at this time, we'll have that, and then we'll get right into the message afterwards. Mansions will glisten on the hills of glory. Happy reunion on streets of gold. Angel choir singing that praises forever. But Jesus will outshine them all. Oh, a glory awaits me in heaven's bright city. When I get there, such sights I'll behold. A million scenes of rare beauty will demand that I view them. Still Jesus will outshine them all. Mansions will glisten on the hills of glory. Happy reunion on streets of gold. Angel choir singing that praises forever. But Jesus will outshine them all. The sparkling river is flowing. Happy faces are glowing, land of splendor where night never falls. The golden glass gives reflection to the city's perfection. Still Jesus will outshine them all. Mansions will glisten on the hills of glory. Happy reunion on streets of gold. Angel choir singing that praises forever. But Jesus will outshine them all. But Jesus will outshine them all. 
Amen. Well, thank you all, and I uh, appreciate them working on that, and uh, great job with that. Galatians chapter number five is where we'll be this morning. Galatians chapter number five. And uh, as you're turning there, if you would join me in standing for the reading of God's Word, we're going to read this very familiar passage, one that we've looked at for many, many weeks now, and uh, we're kind of nearing the end of this, Um, but uh, we are going to be uh, looking at the eighth aspect of the fruit of the Spirit this morning. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 Say this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And let's pray together one more time. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be together this morning. Thank you that uh, you will indeed outshine them all when we get to glory. We do look forward to that day. But until then, Lord, help us to display the fruit of the Spirit by walking in the Spirit so that He is able then to produce that fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would bless this service and this message. pray you'd hide me behind the cross and help me to say the things that you want me to and not the things that you don't. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would again help us to be good hearers and listeners, uh, but then also most importantly, help us to be good doers of what we hear. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So a few weeks ago, again, we began this series through the fruit of the Spirit, and we've been, uh, we, we looked first about, remember, the, the fact that the uh, works of the flesh are plural, and then the fruit of the Spirit is singular. And uh, the idea behind that is, again, you can't pick and choose what you want. Uh, it's all that the, the Lord puts all of these into our lives as we walk in the Spirit, and it is a blessing. Um, as we as we walk in the Spirit, then we're able then to produce. He's able then to produce the fruit of the Spirit, which we spent a week on love. Uh, we looked at joy. We've looked at peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness. Last week we talked about faith or faithfulness. And remember, it's uh, it's not just having faith in God; it's being faithful for God, and that's what that uh, kind of means there. And then now we come into verse 23, uh, the first uh, attribute, the first fruit here mentioned in verse 23 is meekness, and that's what we're going to study today. According to uh, Bill Farmer's newspaper column, uh, a man by the name of J. Upton Dixon uh, was a fun-loving fellow, and he founded a group, (coughs) excuse me, he founded a group of submissive people. And uh, this group he called doormats. And uh, here's what that stood for. It stood for dependent organization of really meek and timid souls if there are no objections. Uh, That was the name of doormats. And uh, their motto was, the meek shall inherit the earth if that's okay with everybody. (laughs) That was their, their motto and their symbol was the yellow traffic light. And so, uh, now Mr. Dixon, he sounds like he'd be a lot of, a lot of fun uh, to hang around. Well, what is disturbing about all of this, though, is that many people assume that the ridiculous ideas behind doormats uh, represents the quality of meekness. Many, even in the church, think that to be meek is to be weak. 
Uh, but the opposite is actually true. What the Bible is talking about is, in fact, a powerful virtue. The slogan, strong enough to be gentle, comes a little closer to defining it. Uh, meekness kind of means humility. It means gentleness. It gives the idea of a wild horse that has been tamed. Uh, one picture I get in my mind is a, is a father having a tea party with his little daughter. Uh, that, uh, that strong uh, father uh, is willing then to uh, submit himself and humble himself to sit with his little daughter. And uh, there have been, I think, more than one picture of me having a uh, tea party with my daughter uh, over the years. Well, another aspect of meekness is also the ability to refrain from revenge when you've been hurt. And all of us, when we've been hurt, uh, have the idea, the natural fleshly response of, I've got to get back at them, I've got to even the score, I've got to make it right. Uh, Meekness is saying, I'm going to let the Lord sort it out. I'm going to give that over to God. Uh, Meekness has also been defined as being weak, to defend one's own opinion, but strong to defend God and His Word. A weak to promote self, but strong to promote God and His Word. Weak toward fulfilling one's own will, but strong toward doing the will of God. And weak for personal views, but strong for God's truth. And see, when it comes to putting myself out there, I need to be kind of uh, weak and, and humble about that, but, but being bold for Christ, that's a different story. Well, today we're going to dive into the Word of God and see what the Lord has to say about meekness. And so, number one on your outline, if you're taking notes this morning, uh, number one, let's look at the significance of meekness. Uh, the scriptural significance of meekness is abundantly clear. The word meek or meekness appears 31 times in the scriptures. And uh, for sake of time, and you can all praise the Lord for this, I'm not going to run all of them this morning. So I said 31. We're only going to run 30 of those references uh, for sake of time. Just kidding. Uh, We're just going to look at eight of them uh, this morning. Uh, But I think, well, I said eight, and maybe I added a couple others. I don't remember now. I may have added one or two more. So... um, Yeah, pray that I don't have too much study time, because the longer study time equals a longer sermon, usually. But but meekness is throughout the Word of God. Psalm 22 and verse 26, if you want to write that reference down and look at it later. But here's what Psalm 22 verse 26 says, The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek Him. Your heart shall live forever. Psalm 25 and verse number 9 says, The meek will he, God will, guide in judgment, and the meek, God will teach his way. So the Lord will guide those who are meek, and he will teach those who are, uh, who are meek. Psalm 147 and verse number 6, The Lord lifteth up the meek. Again, those who are humble, those who don't uh, seek revenge when they've been wrong, those who don't try to even the score, and those who are weak to try to promote themselves, but strong to promote God and His Word. Those who are gentle, those who are humble. God promises to lift up the meek and cast the wicked down to the ground. Zephaniah chapter 2 and verse number 3. 
Now, we don't hear a lot from Zephaniah in preaching mostly, but uh, there is a verse that talks about meekness here. Zephaniah 2.3 says, Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness. Uh, we're told to seek meekness. It may, be, uh, it may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. So we're here to seek meekness, seek this humility, seek this lack of promoting self and, and defending yourself and letting the Lord be your defense. Uh, we're to seek that with our lives. Psalm 37 and verse 11 says, But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. And that reminds us of uh, what Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 5, and perhaps you're already thinking about this reference in your mind, where he said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, Paul here is encouraging these Christians there at Ephesus, and he says in verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. He said, I beseech you, I beg you, I plead with you to walk worthy. And then he says, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. It takes meekness to have harmony in the home and harmony in the church and harmony in the community. It takes some meekness. Colossians 3 and verse number 12, I think the last reference I have uh, listed under this point, there'll be other references, don't you worry. Uh, but Colossians chapter number 3 and verse 12 says, Put on therefore, Paul does, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, put on kindness, put on humbleness of mind, put on meekness, long-suffering. A.W. Tozer once wrote this about meekness. He said, The meek man... Is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he may be in his moral life as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson. But he has stopped being fooled about himself. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows he is as weak and helpless as God declared him to be. But paradoxically, he knows at the same time that he is in the sight of God of more importance than angels. In himself, nothing. But in God, everything. That is his motto. And that helps us understand a little bit more about what it means to be meek. In myself, I'm nothing. But in God, I'm everything. And in his power, I can and will and should do what he calls me to do with boldness and courage. But I don't push myself and my agenda and my own opinions on anyone else. I'm meek about that. So that's the significance of meekness. But number two, uh, let's look at the standards of meekness. Uh, there, there's uh, one story that I want to share with you about Booker T. Washington. He was a truly humble and and a meek man, and, and, he's, and those are hard to find, to be sure. And yet, God delights to honor such selfless people. Booker T. Washington, the renowned black educator, was an outstanding example of this truth of meekness. Shortly after he took over the presidency of Tuskegee, um, Cusk that's the one, Institute in Alabama, he was walking in an exclusive section of town while he, stopped, while he was stopped by a wealthy white woman. 
Now, not knowing the famous Mr. Washington by sight, she asked if he would like to earn a few dollars by chopping wood for her. How would he respond? I'm the president of that, that institute. I'm not going to stoop to do such a lowly task. Well, because he had no pressing business at the moment, Professor Washington smiled. He rolled up his sleeves, proceeded to do the humble chore she had requested. Well, when he was finished, he carried the logs into the house and stacked them by the fireplace. And a little girl recognized him and later revealed his identity to the lady who asked him to do the chore. Well, the next morning, the embarrassed woman went to see Mr. Washington in his office at the Institute and apologized profusely. I'm really so sorry. I didn't realize I didn't know who you were. Oh, it's perfectly all right, madam, he replied. Occasionally, I enjoy a little manual labor. Besides, it's always a delight to do something for a friend. She shook his hand warmly and assured him that his meek and gracious attitude had endeared him and his work to her heart. Well, not long afterwards, she showed her admiration by persuading some wealthy acquaintances to join her in donating thousands of dollars to the Institute. All because this man displayed some real meekness. Now, that's a good example of it for sure, but there are a couple standards that God puts the spotlight on in His Word. And I want to look at a couple of them this morning. First of all, uh, Moses is highlighted in the Word of God as being a standard of meekness. Numbers chapter number 12, verses 1 through 3. Numbers 12, 1 through 3 say, And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Had he, hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. That's a good lesson for us. That's just kind of like not even related to this message. But hey, the Lord hears everything we say. Uh, even if you think no one else hears what you say, the Lord hears it. And he takes notice. The Lord heard what they said. Now the next verse says, Now the man Moses was very meek. And here's how meek he was according to the word of God. He was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. So as the Lord looked at the inventory of mankind and he said, Moses is the most meek man there is on the planet, on the face of the earth. Here was a man who had tremendous power and authority and yet uh, was very meek and how he dealt with uh, these very discouraging people that he had to lead out of Egypt. Uh, they were constantly griping, they were constantly complaining, and they were constantly blaming him for their hardship. Through it all, Moses maintained meekness with the exception of one instance where he hit the rock when God told him not to. Uh, he did that out of anger. But still, God's assessment of Moses was that he was uh, the very most meek man upon the face of the earth. And so Moses was a tremendous example and a standard of, of meekness. But, but the second example is flawless in his meekness. And of course, that is none other than Jesus Christ. 
True meekness is best seen in the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about this. He was submissive to his father's will. He never resisted or disputed the will of God in his life. Do you and I do that from time to time? Absolutely. When something comes into our life that we don't like, that's out of what our will is, uh, the temptation is to fight it, complain against it, to try to remove it from our life, but not Jesus. He accepted it. His absolute trust in the Father enabled him to show compassion and courage and self-sacrifice even in the most hostile situations that he encountered in his ministry. He proved his meekness in his arrival to earth. I mean, the King of kings and the Lord of lords came as a little helpless infant, newborn baby in Bethlehem's manger. He proved his meekness when he submitted to his own parents there in Jerusalem. Do you remember that? He proved it as he dealt with people when he dealt with the woman at the well. Remember, is he, he must needs go through Samaria. And uh, as he encounters this woman there who comes uh, during the day when, when, when most ladies didn't come in the heat of the day, but she did so because of her reputation. And when he confronts her with her sin, he does it so humbly and gently. And yet, as a matter of fact, and, and he, he treated her with tremendous meekness. Did he have power to destroy her because of her wicked, sinful lifestyle? Yes. Because he treated her with meekness, she believed and placed her faith in him. And then she went and, go, went and told all the men in the city that she had met the Messiah, that he was here. Because of his meekness. I think of his meekness as he dealt with the woman who was taken in idolatry. She was taken in the very act and and they brought him to Jesus and said, Aha, what are you going to do now? I mean, she was committing adultery. How are you going to treat her? And then remember what what he did? He went down and began to write on the ground. And then he said, Whoso is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And then one by one, they began to leave. And pretty soon it was just Jesus and this woman caught in sin. And he said, hey, where are your accusers? She said, there there is no man. They've all gone. He said, well, uh, then I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. You see, he could have said, die. And she could have. You know, he could have done anything to incinerate her right there because of her sin. But instead, he chose to uh, display tremendous meekness. And then I think as Jesus made his way into Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday before his crucifixion, before he was, uh, he, he was rejected, uh, as he walked in or came into Jerusalem, how did he enter? Did he enter in with an elaborate parade with pomp and circumstance? No, here's what Matthew 21.5 says. Tell ye the daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and and a colt of the foal of an ass. So instead of making his entrance with great glory and power, which he could could have done and deserved to do, I mean, after all, he is the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. He is the great God of heaven. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the one who is high and lifted up to come riding on a donkey. It just displayed his meekness and his humility. 
2 Corinthians 10 and verse number 1, Paul says this. He said, Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence and base among you, but being absent and bold towards you. He said, I, I come to you and I beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, because that's what Jesus was known for, as being the meek and lowly one. Think then of Jesus and how he responded to those who crucified him on the cross. I mean, if anybody was mistreated, it was Jesus Christ, right? Mr. Innocent, he was completely innocent and sinless. And yet, they took him to that old rugged cross and pounded nails through his wrists and through his feet. Put a crown of thorns on his head and, and uh, whipped him with a, with, with a cat of nine tails and scourged him and, and uh, hit him in the face and plucked his beard and, and blindfolded him and all kinds of things. Talk about mistreatment. But here's how he responded to all of that in 2 Peter 2 and verse 23. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. Yeah, he experienced tremendous mistreatment, but instead of lashing out and trying to get even and settle the score, no, Jesus uh, did not do any of that. He reviled not again, and he threatened not. Instead, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How many of us, when we feel like we've been mistreated, want to lash out and, again, get even and defend ourselves and stand up for ourselves? That's not what God calls us to do, though. Remember if someone smites you on the cheek, turn your other cheek and let them hit you there too. I'm not saying we need to let people walk all over us and abuse us, but at the same time, do we need to just always defend ourselves and to make ourselves look right in every situation? That's not meekness. Think about how Jesus treated the thief on the cross that was next to him. I mean, talk about someone who was guilty. It was those two guys on either side of him who were being crucified for crimes they had indeed committed. And yet, one of them, when he said to Jesus, Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom, Jesus could have said, No, you're guilty. You, you're getting your just dues. That's not what he said, though. He said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. Verily, verily, I say unto you. See, Jesus uh, displayed tremendous uh, meekness in his earthly life. And so we see the standards of meekness. But then I want us to see number three, the sources of meekness. Where does this meekness come from? I can tell you right now, it doesn't come from within. <laughs> as far as on my own, I can't manufacture this meekness because this is not how I was born. I was not born a very meek individual, and I'm guessing since you were made out of the same clay that I'm made out of, same dirt I'm made out of, you probably aren't very meek either. So where do we get this meekness? Well, first of all, we get it from God's Son. God's Son. As we've already talked about, God or Jesus Christ, God's Son, is the source of meekness. He was the perfect example of it. But Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 through 30, a familiar passage of Scripture, uh, talks about uh, this meekness that Christ has. And when we have Christ in us, 
then Christ is going to be revealed in our lives. See, Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come unto me, Jesus says, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am, what's that word? If you're paying attention at all this morning, you probably guess the word meek, and you would be right, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, this is where meekness begins. It begins at the cross when we uh, believe on Christ and Jesus, God's Son, comes into our life and then His meekness then becomes our meekness. So the question for all of us is this morning, are you in Christ and is Christ in you? Um, If not, then I would encourage you to make today the day of your salvation, to come to Christ and be saved, be born again, enter into God's family through a relationship with God's Son. And by the way, that's the only way you can enter into God's family. You can't get into it by doing a certain amount of things or doing, uh, being a certain way, by believing on Christ, repenting and faith, repent and believe. So God's Son is the beginning part, the beginning source of meekness in our lives. And then I think, secondly, God's Spirit. God's Spirit is a source of meekness. You say, well, I'm not really meek. I mean, that's not the way God made me. I'm super opinion, and that's the way I am. I mean, people just know me and understand that I'm a little rough around the edges, but you know, that's me. Friend, what we're talking about in this series is a personality transplant. The reason that we need the Holy Spirit working in our lives is because who we were and the way we were born and the way we came out of the womb is not who we should be. Right? God wants to change us, to conform us into the image of His dear Son. Not so that we would stay the way we are and, hey, that's just who I am and you're just going to have to live with it because that's the way God made me. No, the way God made you and the way God wants you to be are a little different. See, this that's the way I am thing is, is a cop-out for not wanting to grow in the Lord. Saying, ah, no, that's just the way I am. No, the way we should be according to the Word of God is what we're looking at here in the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Those are the things that we should be. Not uh, the works of the flesh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, and the list goes on. I won't take the time to read them all. See, we need the God's Spirit in us to produce this fruit And we need to allow him to do that and allow him to change us. And if maybe we weren't meek before, let's not just say, well, that's just not the way I am. Well, that may be true, but that's not the way God wants you to stay. Let's allow God to change us. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to produce this fruit in our life so that we are meek, so that we are humble, so that we are pushing ourselves and our opinions on everybody else. So God's Spirit is a source of meekness. But then, thirdly, God's Scriptures are a source 
of meekness as well. And James chapter 1, I'm going to ask everybody to turn over there. I just kind of want you to see this. We're going to turn to some scriptures here. Hope that's okay. We are here in church and all. But James chapter 1, and uh, let's look in verse 21. James chapter 1, verse 21. Well, just for fun, let's look at back verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And when it comes to meekness, that's necessary. Swift to hear, slow to speak. Do you, do you ever realize or ever wonder why God gave us two ears and one mouth? Right? It, it's so that we can use our mouth twice as much as our ears. No! So that we use our ears twice as much as we use our mouth. Swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. The wrath of man is the opposite of meekness. The wrath of man is somebody wronged me and so I'm going to get even. And I've got an elaborate plan on how I'm going to make it right. Settle the score. That's the wrath of man. But here in verse 21, look in verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness. This doesn't just mean, oh, I was out in the dirt. This means sinful things. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. And that's kind of a strange phrase there. Uh, But that basically means an abundance of evil. Lay those things apart. So, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with what now? Meekness. Receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. So we're to receive the word of God with meekness. And then in verse 22, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So it does take meekness to receive the word of God. Meekness in that I haven't arrived. I need to know what the word of God says. I'm willing to be teachable to the word of God. I'm willing to conform to the word of God. If, if there's things that are in my life that are not right, I'm willing to change them. And then he goes on here in verse 23 of James chapter 1, If any be a hearer of the word, not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. It's, and for verse 24, For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Hopefully this morning all of you looked in a mirror. You may or may not have liked what you've seen. (laughs) Um, I looked in the mirror and I'm like, wow, that's an old guy looking back at me. How did that happen? I mean, just yesterday I was 12 and now I'm not. And I don't look 12 anymore. Look, we need to look in the mirror. And then when we look in the mirror and we see things Like, I saw a whole lot of hair out of place. Like, it's not even on my head anymore. (laughs) But but when you saw your head with maybe your hair out of place, you maybe got a comb or a a brush or uh, Brother Bob and I, man, we got our shavers out and raised, you know, and uh, Brother Rick, too, and uh, Brother Dan, we got some, and uh, Brother Mark over here, too. So 
Amen. And Brother Tom over here. I'm looking around. There's some godly men in this church. And Brother Andy. All right, back in the back. Amen. So, there you go. <laughs> all right, very good. Uh, when we looked in the mirror, though, I mean, you may have seen some things out of place. Maybe you saw something in your teeth or whatever. You don't look in the mirror and go, well, that's great. I'm just going to go and pretend like it's not a thing. And that's equivalent to looking in the Word of God and seeing things that God wants to change in our lives, but we say, you know what? That's nice, but I'm just going to be who I am. I'm going to be me. I mean, this is the way God made me, and I'm content with that. No, God, God's Word wants to change us. And God wants to change us through His Word, and it requires some meekness in our lives. It, it requires a humility to say, I have not arrived. I am not perfect. I need to keep growing. I need to keep going in my spiritual life. And I, I, I need to learn and to grow. I'm not there yet. It requires meekness, which is why he says in verse 21, Receive with meekness the engrafted word, and praise the Lord, which is able to save your soul. So God's scriptures are a source of meekness in our lives. And as we apply the word of God, it will produce uh, it will naturally produce some meekness. As we read about humility, as we read about those like Moses who displayed tremendous meekness, and Joseph, who we've been studying on Sunday nights, how he was tremendously meek. I mean, if there was a guy who could have had the opportunity to get even Stephen, it was Joseph. As his brother showed up, and he's like, oh man, I'm holding all the cards now. But you know what? He chose to forgive. He chose to give grace to his family, those who hurt him. Praise the Lord. And God did that for us too. And as I mentioned, those who crucified Jesus, by the way, that was you and me. Not only did he want to forgive us, but he wanted to pour on the blessings, the abundant blessings that uh, we've talked about already. So we see uh, the sources of meekness. But then number four, I want us to look at the showing of meekness. How, how does this meekness look? And, and, and in what ways, and in what areas of our lives should we be showing meekness? And of course, the answer is every area of our life. But we're going to look at uh, four, uh, four instances, four areas of our life that we are to show meekness. First of all, in dealing with others. In dealing with others. There's going to be a lot of people in our lives that we just get along with like peanut butter and jelly. I mean, it's just, just never a problem. I mean, best friends through life, never, never a, a, a conflict, never any tension. But then there's going to be other people in our lives where there are going to be some bumps in the road, some tension, some hurt feelings. How do we deal with them when, when we feel like we've been wronged? When we feel like we're the ones that have been mistreated. A couple references to, uh, to look up later, but I'll, I'll read them for you. Titus chapter 3, and verses 1 and 2. I'm going to go ahead and turn over there, because I didn't actually put Titus chapter 3, verse 1 in there. So verse 1, uh, here Paul is writing to, to Titus and giving him some instructions to give to the believers there on the island of Crete. And uh, in Titus chapter 3 and verse 1, he says, Put them in mind 
to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. So he says, you know, here's what I want you to teach the people there. Uh, Titus, I want you to help them to be submissive and humble, and um, I want you to help them to be obedient to uh, the powers that be, right? Government and uh, the police and the traffic laws, even those who were driving for the, uh, the teen activity yesterday, the traffic laws. And uh, <laughs> I, I was laughing about that. that. It sounded like the teens had a very fun and competitive time. And, uh, and the drivers did too, it sounded like. Anyway, going on. Uh, putting them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. And then here it is in verse number two, to speak evil of how many men should we speak evil of? No man. To speak evil of no man. To be no brawlers, but gentle, showing meekness unto all men. Okay, well, what about the ones who hurt me? The ones who mistreat me or speak about me behind their back and, and uh, stab me in the back and do all those things at the office or in the neighborhood or wherever. What about them? To speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. It does take some meekness to do that, doesn't it? It's, that takes the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives because I've been there when it feels like everyone's against you or when, when you feel like you've been mistreated, the last thing you want to do is to speak evil of no man, showing meekness unto all men. That's the last thing you feel like doing, but that's what the Holy Spirit wants to produce in our life. So the showing of meekness and dealing with others also, uh, Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.11, he says, but thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, after godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. So the man of God, as he ministers, needs to be meek. And so pray for me as uh, your pastor to be a meek, meek and humble pastor. It doesn't come naturally to most of us. Uh, but uh, hopefully as time goes on, it will become more and more natural as the nature, the new nature takes over in Eric Johnson. And hopefully the case is for you as well in dealing with others. And the truth of the matter is, life is going to be uh, littered with people who hurt you. And whether they intend to or not, it, it, it happens. And uh, how you treat them is indicative of uh, meekness. So in dealing with others is the first area in which we need to show meekness. But then also, a little more specifically though, in marriage, in marriage. I'm going to ask you all to turn, if you are able to, to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter and chapter 3. Marriage is a wonderful arena in which to display and show meekness and it's necessary if the marriage is going to be successful and harmonious and loving. First Peter chapter 3 and in our Sunday school class we were talking about David and, and Michael and the lack of meekness there in their marriage. Uh, we, we highlighted a little bit today but First Peter chapter 3 let's look in verse number 1 here. 
Likewise, ye wives, in subjection, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may also, uh, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation, coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. So here meekness is highlighted within a marriage relationship. More specifically here with a believing wife, with an unbelieving husband. And he, he said to them, look, don't, don't try to like focus so much on the external. On the internal, your meek and quiet spirit is going to uh, end your conversation when potentially win your husband to the Lord. Your chaste conversation with fear, but also this meek and quiet spirit. Meek and quiet spirit are needed not just in a wife, but also in a husband. Um, I've shared the story in our Sunday school class. I'm going to share it again. I hope it's okay. I'm kind of asking for forgiveness, maybe, because I'm going to go ahead and share it anyway. (laughs) I'm asking for you to be meek this morning. I'm giving you a test, is what I'm doing. No, it's a story that we've shared many times. and uh, one, one instance in our marriage that was very tense was when we were looking to remodel uh, a ki- our kitchen in California. We had uh, our sink had a really bad leak and it uh, messed up a few of the cabinets around the sink. And so uh, the insurance gave us enough to be able to remodel uh, really the whole kitchen to get new uh, cabinets and cupboards and all of that. Um, and uh, that, was, uh, that was a super big blessing to my wife because she hated our cabinets that were there. And so she was like, praise the Lord, we had a leak. We need more new cabinets. And uh, I was like, oh, I'm struggling to praise the Lord because it means I'm going to have to do all the work. Uh, but uh, we decided that we're going to go ahead and do it ourselves and remodel and uh, do all this. Well, it was um, uh, maybe around, uh, I don't know, end of October or something like that. And uh, I was about ready to start a second job. I was uh, serving in the church, and I was going to add another uh, little part-time job to my schedule. And uh, she was wanting to get this done before the holidays because, you know, family's coming, and I want to show off our new remodeled kitchen. And I said, well, the thing is, uh, our schedule is going to be really kind of hectic. So I'm kind of thinking... With me starting this new little side job and figuring out my schedule, why don't we wait until after the holidays? No, I want them before the holidays so that I can show them off to all the family members and the church family and and use this brand new kitchen for all of these events that we're going to be having. Thank you for adding in that detail. That was very meek of you. And... uh, (laughs) And so, anyway, we're, we're having this discussion, and it starts to escalate a tad. It starts to escalate a tad, which is happening again, uh, <laughs> right before your eyes. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was tough, because we both were kind of butting heads and not willing to budge. 
and it was tough. And finally, I said, I really want to wait until after the holidays. I love you. I want to do this for you. I just think for our family's sake, it's going to be too intense to get this done. And she finally humbled herself, and I appreciate that, and uh, was saying, okay, we'll wait. And she was, and, and it worked out for the best. It really did. We're both glad that it worked out. I'm glad I won. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> That's not very meek at all. But I still need to work on it. Like I said, please pray for me. But you know what? That could have ended up becoming this little splinter in our relationship that began to fester and get infected and you know, most, most marriages end not because of a cataclysmic, horrible one event. It's the little things, and we just talked about this in our Sunday school class. It's the little foxes that spoil the vines. It's the lack of meekness here and the lack of meekness there. And, and all of a sudden, uh, we don't like each other anymore, and we're not right for each other, and I don't feel peace about this relationship anymore, and I'm done. And we're just not going to continue. And it's because we've lacked meekness in the marriage. And so marriage requires meekness for it to be harmonious and loving and not let little things become big things. And, you know, you know, couples as they talk and they're with another couple and like, hey, remember that one year? What year was that? That was like three years ago. No, it was five years ago. No, 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 it was three years ago. No, it was five years ago. No, I'm telling you, it was three... And we let a little thing like that become an explosion. I mean, meekness is willing to just say, it doesn't matter. Let's move on. Let's let marriage, in our marriages here at Cornerstone Baptist Church, have an extra dose of meekness. But then and thirdly, in showing the showing of meekness, let's look at number three, in witnessing. It needs to be evident in our witnessing. Your Bible is open to 1 Peter 3. Let's look in verse number uh, 15. Uh, let's look in verse number 15. It says, uh, Peter says here, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now, when you're witnessing to somebody and they're, they're asking you, hey, how do I know the Lord? How do I have a relationship with God? I mean, I see you going through difficult things and, and uh, you have this hope that I don't understand. And how do you deal with all this? And, and they come to you with this. This isn't the time to say, all right. And you stand up and, you know, get a pulpit out and start preaching the truth. That's not the time to do that. Now, here in a church, that's, this is the time to do that. But when you're with somebody and witnessing to them and giving them the gospel, do so with meekness and fear. The Bible says also speaking the truth in love. You know, when you're talking to somebody about Christ, give them, let them see some meekness about you, some humility that you're not trying to defend yourself and how wonderful you are, but how wonderful God is and what he has done in your life. Second Timothy chapter two talks about this as well. This idea of witnessing and he says to Timothy, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. 
So again, I, as the servant of God, and, and by the way, all of us are servants of the Lord, we need to uh, have this meekness as we witness to those around us. It's okay to be bold. It's okay to be courageous. It, it's, it's necessary, but, but don't forget this meekness, this idea that, ah, because you know what can happen when you're out witnessing to somebody? And they disagree with you. You're talking to somebody of a different religion. And it, it can become this shouting match. That's not the way it needs to be. Uh, we as God's people need to show meekness in our witnessing. And then uh, the fourth area and where we need to show uh, meekness is in dealing with a wayward brother. In dealing with a wayward brother. Galatians 6.1 Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault... Ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And dealing with a wayward brother, and, and there may be some in your life, maybe some that you are maybe even thinking of now who are a little wayward. And when you go and deal with them, don't go into them with a spirit of pride, saying, you know, hey, I'm right with God, and what's your problem? You're not. That's going to make them go as far away from you as possible. Go to them in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Because the truth of the matter is, you think of the most wayward brother that you can think of, and you and I are one or two bad decisions away from being right where they are. None of us are uh, exempt from any of that. And so we need to show meekness in dealing with someone like that. We are to deal with them, not just to pretend like they're not uh, wayward or, or, or hope someone else deals with them. No, God's given us the command here to go after them, but, uh, but restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest thou also be tempted. Meekness is the opposite of self-assertiveness and self-interest. It stems from trust in God's goodness and control over the situation. Again, when you've been hurt, when you feel like you've been mistreated. Did God all of a sudden take a vacation and he forgot to be in control and delegate that and said, whoops, I didn't realize that was going to happen to them. God's still in control. He, he's always on his throne, isn't he? And meekness understands that. Now, the meek person is not occupied with self at all. And as a result, this is a work of the Holy Spirit, not of the human will. I cannot produce this on my own. This isn't how I was made. And probably not you either. And so we need the Holy Spirit in us. We need, first of all, the God's Son inside of us through belief in Him, through uh, placing our faith uh, for salvation. But then we need the Holy Spirit producing this fruit in our, in our lives by abiding in Christ, by walking in the Spirit. And then we need the Scriptures in our hearts. We need to receive with meekness the engrafted Word. And then we need to be in the Word of God and then to do the Word of God as it produces this meekness in our lives. The fruit of meekness. Modeling meekness is the name of the message today. And I hope that today as we go our way... As we go home and we go back to work this week and we go to school, as we go into our community and our lives, that we'll display this meekness, not because it's who we are, it's because uh, who God wants us to become 
and we're allowing the Holy Spirit to conform us into the image of Christ. Well, let's pray together, and uh, we'll uh, wrap up this service. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be here today. Thank you for uh, this concept of meekness. And, oh, Lord, I pray that you would help us all, Lord, to abide in Christ and to walk in the Spirit so that we can have this fruit uh, present and uh, active in our lives. Lord, I'm not naturally meek. I'll admit that right now. I need you to help me to be meek. And Lord, I pray that you would help uh, everyone in this room, Lord, to do the same. Lord, I pray that uh, you would, uh, if there's one here today that's not sure about their relationship with you, and I pray, Lord, that they would uh, decide to place their faith in Jesus Christ and him alone for their salvation. And then for those of us who are, I pray, Lord, you'd help us to decide to continue walking in the Spirit so that he can produce this fruit in our lives. And we'll thank you for all that you do. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm going to ask Miss Pat and the musicians to just play through uh, I Surrender All, just this first verse here. Um, and uh, as they do, I want to invite you to have a time of prayer uh, right where you are, asking the Lord to work in your life, maybe making decisions about something that He's pinpointed in your life. As they play, I'll let you have a time of prayer.